0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching a special message, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney.
1: True story of Billy Graham. All of you, raise your hand if you know who Billy Graham is. Okay, why are you not raising your hand? Okay, raise your hand if you know who Billy Graham is. Okay, that looks a lot better. Goodness gracious, tough crowd. All right, Billy Graham, listen to this, tells of a time early in his ministry when he arrived in a small town to preach a sermon. And wanting to mail a letter, he asked the young boy where the post office was. When the boy had told him, Dr. Graham thanked him and said, if you'll come to the Baptist church this evening, you can hear me telling everyone how to get to heaven. Well, the boy replied, I don't think I'll be there. You don't even know where the post office is. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Listen to this. A teacher asked the children in her Sunday school class, she said, if I sold my house and my car and had a big garage sale and gave all my money to the church, would I get to heaven? No, the children answered. If I cleaned the church every day and mowed the yard and kept everything neat and tidy, would I get to heaven? Again, the answer was no. Well, she continued, then, how can I get to heaven? Well, a five-year-old boy shouted, you got to be dead. (laughs) Amen. I'll say amen. That's true. There's probably, listen to me, there's probably no more important topic and no more uncertain topic the topic of heaven. Interesting, if you ask 100 people about the economy or politics, you'll get a fairly definite opinion, for the most part. But if you ask those same 100 people, are you going to heaven when you die, those answers will be all over the place. Everything from I don't know, I'm working on it, I've got no idea, I'm not sure. Some might say, I don't even believe in heaven, I don't believe in hell. More interesting, many of those same people will tell you they believe in Jesus and heaven, but they don't know whether or not they're going there. I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you listening? I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you listening? Are you going to heaven? If you don't have your Bibles, don't worry about it this morning. We usually hand out Bibles at church, but we're going to post the verses on the screen for you. Um, And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 20, and I'm going to look at... um, verses 1 through 18, and then, and then we're going to look at Acts. So you might want to put your finger or put a little piece of paper or your bulletin in uh, Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at two verses this morning, John 20, first of all, one eighteen, and Acts 1, 9 through 11. We'll look at those. And I've titled this sermon, Are You Going to Heaven? John chapter 20, saints beginning in verse 1 If you're looking at verse 1, I need you to say a hearty amen. amen. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, and while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And then she ran, and she came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Well, Peter therefore went out, and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb. And so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. They want you to know that. And he's stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw the linen clothing lying there. And the handkerchief, note this, saints, if you've if you got a pen, you underline this, and the handkerchief had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but what? folded together in a place by itself. Well, then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed, for as yet they did not know the Scriptures that he must first rise again from the dead. And then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stood and stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting, one on the, at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be who, saints? The gardener said to him, "Sir, if you have carried them away, tell me where you've laid them, and I'll take them away." And Jesus said to her, "Mary," and she turned to him and said, "Rabboni," which is to say, "Teacher." And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, if I, am as, I am ascending to my father and your father and to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Let the church say amen. Perhaps you're wondering, what's all the hoopla about resurrection. Why do Christians make such a big deal about the resurrection? Well, I'll tell you, because everything that we believe—are you listening?—everything that we believe and everything that we stand on hinges on the resurrection. Someone once said the resurrection is the door on which Christianity swings. The Christian faith rises and falls on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was Paul the apostle who said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 14 through 17— He said, and if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead did not rise. For if the dead did not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Listen, if Christ be not risen, our preaching is in vain. If Christ be not risen, our faith is in vain. If Christ is not risen, then all that he went through is in vain. If Christ is not risen, then the disciples lost their lives and their families' lives in vain. If Christ is not risen, then why are you here at Dorton Arena today? If Christ be not risen, then we have no hope. Because of the resurrection, we have the hope of heaven. Without the hope of the resurrection, there'd be no possibility of going to heaven. Everything hinges on the resurrection. Am I right about it? Everything. Now listen, in our text, it's Resurrection Sunday. And Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb and she finds the stone rolled away. So she ran and she told Peter and John and they raced to the tomb. Look at verse 4 in chapter 20. John wants us to know that he outran Peter. Isn't that a guy thing? That's a guy thing. I got there first. They arrive at the tomb, they stoop down, they look in, they see the linen clothes. But listen, they also notice something very strange. Look at verse 7. The, hand, the handkerchief that was wrapped around his head had been removed and neatly folded and lying in the corner of the tomb. This blew them away. Now listen to me. Look at me. You got to understand something here culturally in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, when you were around the table and you were done eating, you would ball up your napkin and throw it in the center of the table and that told the servers that you were done uh, eating but if you were stepping away and planning to come back then you would neatly fold your napkin and place it on the table listen jesus neatly and nicely and politely folded that napkin that was around his head and he straightened up the place of the tomb Put that napkin over in the corner as a message that I'm coming back. Did you get that? So Peter, look at verse 11. Peter and John arrive at the tomb. Mary stood outside weeping. And then she looked into the tomb and she saw two angels dressed in white. They said, why are you weeping? She said, because they've taken my Lord and I don't know where he is. While Mary was weeping, through her tears, she sees the risen Lord. But she didn't know that it was Jesus in his glorified body. She thought he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you have taken him, tell me where you put him and I'll go get him. And when she realized it was Jesus, did you notice? She grabbed him and wouldn't let him go. Verse 17, Jesus said, Mary, don't cling to me. Mary was holding on to Jesus. She probably had him in a chokehold. And Jesus probably, let me go, let me go. And she probably, she's holding on to him. She is the, and Jesus said, Mary, he said, don't cling to me. Why? Because I've got a job I want you to do, Mary. Mary, you're going to be the first missionary. Did you know a woman was the first missionary? Mary, I want you to be the first missionary. Mary, go tell my brother and I have risen. And this is really interesting because in those days, listen to this. Talking about culturally, Our culture is really different. In those days, the rabbis taught that it would be better for the law to be burned than to be entrusted to a woman. So Jesus was doing something very culturally radical. Do y'all get that? Jesus was radical. Jesus was different. Jesus didn't care about what people thought. And neither should you. You should serve Jesus. You should give your heart to Jesus and follow Jesus. Don't follow your friends. Somebody need to clap better than that. Don't follow your friend. Follow him off a cliff. Uh uh-uh. uh. Jesus was culturally radical. His word, he gives his word to a woman because he knows that his word will get out quicker and spread faster. <laughs> Jesus comes to an unexpected person at the unexpected time in an unexpected place. I want you to flip over with me to Acts chapter 1. Get over to Acts chapter 1 quickly, get those pages turning, fast forward. Acts chapter 1, I need to do it myself, hold on. Acts chapter 1, and I want you to look at with me in verse 9. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 9, if you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it, Pastor. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken, Jesus was taken up, And a cloud received them out of their sight. This is post-resurrection. And while they looked steadfastly to heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heavens? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So here we have, let me have your attention, we are post resurrection Jesus is talking to his disciples about the kingdom. And Jesus said, after my death, I want you to go to Jerusalem early up in the chapter. And he said, and wait for the indwelling and the filling of the Holy Spirit. And then verse 9 tells us, after Jesus has spoken these things, they watched him ascend into heaven. And two men dressed in white said, why are you gazing up? The same Jesus that went up into heaven will so come back someday, just the same way that he was taken up into heaven. Do you know the Bible has a lot to say about heaven? And most people know whether they're married or not, and yet they don't know whether or not for sure they're going to heaven. When you travel, you know your destination, and yet you don't know your final destination. Where will you live forever? Now, people have uh, all kinds of unbiblical ideas about heaven. I think Hollyweird portrays heaven with Little naked babies flying around on the cloud playing harps, flying wings, flying around, and everything's white in heaven. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Huh? You know, that can't be right. We know we know that that's wrong. We know everything ain't white in heaven because I'm going to be in heaven and I'm black. <laughs> y'all say amen. amen. Right, everything ain't white in heaven. I can show you that because I'm going to be in heaven. I told y'all in heaven I'm going to have an afro. A big old afro, you're going to be in the spot? That Pastor Ronnie up there, that big afro? I've got a big pick in the back, just like that. You know why? Because God said, if you ask, you shall receive. <laughs> I have asked, I'm expecting my afro. But everything ain't white in heaven. Heaven's full of color. I think people actually believe that Peter is standing at the pearly gates in heaven, don't they? We've heard so many stories about that. Did you hear this one? Where Peter is standing at the pearly gates, and a man stands before him, and Peter asks, have you ever done anything of particular merit? Well, I can think of one thing the man offers. Once on a trip to the Black Hills, I was out in South Dakota, and I came upon a gang of high testosterone bikers who were threatening a young woman, and I directed them to leave, leave her alone, but they wouldn't listen. So I approached the largest and most heavily tattooed biker. I smacked him on the head, kicked the bike over, ripped out his nose ring, and threw him on the ground and told him to leave her alone with your answer to me. And Peter was impressed. Peter said, Wow, when did that happen? The man said, Just a couple of minutes ago. <laughs> the Bible has a lot to say about heaven. Bible refers to heaven 550 times. The Hebrew means the heights. The Bible teaches God lives in heaven. Isaiah 57, you take your notes, write it down. Isaiah 57, 15. Thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, who is holy, I dwell on high and holy place. Isaiah 63, 15. Identifies that place. Look down from heaven and see from thy holy and glorious habitation. Psalm 33:13 through 14. The Lord looks down from heaven, and he sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out. In the New Testament, Jesus repeatedly stressed the fact about the Father who is in heaven. Matthew five sixteen, Jesus said, Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is, where, saints? In heaven. Verse 34, make no oath of chapter 5. Make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne. In verse 45 of that same chapter, that you may be the sons of your Father who is in heaven. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus said, Pray then in this way. Our Father who art in where, saints? Heaven. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask of him? So, over and over, the Bible talks about heaven. Heaven's not a figment of imagination. Are you listening? Heaven's not a feeling. Heaven's not an emotion. Heaven's God's place. It's God's place. Everything that is precious and valuable for the Christian is in heaven. Our Father is in heaven. Our Savior is in heaven. Our brothers and sisters and those who died in Christ are in heaven. Your grandma who knew Christ, she's in heaven. Your grandpa who knew Christ, he's in heaven. Your mother, your father, if they knew Christ, they're in heaven. Did you know our names are written in the book of life in heaven? Our inheritance is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And don't forget, this world's not your home. The Bible says Christians are strangers and pilgrims passing through. Our home and our citizenship is in heaven. Somebody clap your hands and say, thank you, Jesus. I don't want this earth to be my home. My home is in heaven. I'm just a stranger passing through. Our treasure is in heaven. Did you know? The only treasure you possess throughout all eternity is in heaven, and it's safe with Jesus in heaven. Your treasure is in heaven, not in your bank. Your treasure is in heaven, not in the CD. Your treasure is in heaven, not in the stock market or investments. Someone once said, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. You'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You'll get that on the way home. Never see it, meaning you can't take it with you. You know, I'm from Philadelphia, many of you know, and, We used to put bars on our window. Now I'm talking about folk who live in the hood. Where my people at? Don't act like you don't live in the hood. Where my people at? You know, in the hood, we put bars on our windows because we want to protect our stuff from people breaking in. But listen, in heaven, there will be no need for bars on your windows because your stuff is safe with Jesus. Jesus will protect your stuff. Am I right about it? Everything that is precious and valuable to the Christian is in heaven. And someday every single person under the sound of my voice will stand before God and give an account for their life. Don't you understand? Everybody someday will leave this earth. The one inescapable fact of this life is that everybody will die someday. Do you know statistics show that 100 out of every 100 people die? Okay, you got that now, right? All right, the other one you get on your way home, all right? 100 out of 100 people die. That means everybody dies. Everybody. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) This is tough. Death is a great equalizer. Think about this. The moment that you take your first breath into the world, the next breath you take, you're on your way to death. We're all going to die someday. Rich people die. Poor people die. Black people die. White people die. Rap artists die. Country singers die. White collar workers die. Blue collar workers die. Skinny people die. Not so skinny people die. That's the politically correct way of saying that. Not so skinny people die. Everyone will die someday, and it's interesting. We do all kinds of things to prepare for life, but we do nothing to prepare for death when the truth is death is the only certain thing. Someone once said, only those who are prepared to die are really ready to live. My question to you is, are you ready for heaven? Jesus died and rose on that great getting up morning so you could spend eternity with him in heaven so that heaven could be your home. Come on, clap your hands and say amen. Yes, he did. And the only way to get to heaven is by putting your faith in Jesus. You can't be good enough. You can't be smart enough. You can't live a good enough life or obey the Ten Commandments or join a church and go there regularly or love the earth or love your fellow man or go green to get to heaven. No preacher can preach you into heaven. Other people can't put you in heaven. You can't be baptized into heaven. You can't give enough money to get into heaven. As a matter of fact, you can't do anything to get into heaven. There's only one way to get to heaven. And Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. If you want to go to heaven, you must be born again. Am I right about it? You must be born again. The only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 6, write it down if you don't know it. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through me. You either believe that or you don't. When Jesus was on that old rugged cross, his death and his blood paid the price for your sin. He died and was buried, and he rose from the dead three days later. And when he rose from the grave, he conquered death and sin and defeated the enemy. And Jesus offers you life this morning so that you can spend eternity with him in heaven. And the only way to spend eternity with him is to give your life to Jesus, to place your faith and your trust in him, to give him your heart. Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 1, 12, as many as received him, he gave the power to become the sons of God. That's anybody. I don't care how dirty your sin, I don't care how dirty your sinful mind I don't care how bad your actions. The Bible says if you come to Jesus, he will wash your sins and forgive you of your sins. Is that right? Let me read you a story. Let me have your attention. Listen to me close. There was a woman who had been diagnosed with cancer and had been given three months to live. Her doctor told her to start making preparations to die. And so she contacted her pastor and had him come to her house to discuss certain aspects of her final wishes. And she told him which songs she wanted sung at the service and what scriptures she would like read and what she wanted to be wearing. And the woman also told her pastor that she wanted to be buried with her favorite Bible. Well, everything was in order and the pastor was preparing to leave when the woman suddenly remembered something very important. Oh, there's one more thing, she said, excitedly to the pastor. Well, what's that? Came the pastor's reply. "'Oh, this is very important,' the woman continued. "'I want to be buried with a fork in my right hand.'" The pastor stood looking at the woman, not knowing quite what to say. "'That shocks you, doesn't it?' the woman asked. "'Well, to be honest, I'm puzzled by the request,' said the pastor." The woman explained, "'In all my years of attending church socials and functions where food was involved, and let's be honest, food is an important part of any church event, spiritual or otherwise, amen.'" My favorite part, she said, was when whoever was clearing away the dishes of the main course would lean over and say, you could keep your fork. It was my favorite part because I knew that something better was coming. When she told me to keep my fork, I knew that something great was about to be given to me.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina.